everybody. Thank you for joining me and yeah, thank you to my publishers who've been incredible, really incredible, so thank you. And Nikki and I, I didn't get them to publish my book because we went to school together. <laughs> they agreed to publish my book and then when we were having one of our meetings, we put two and two together and we went to school together just before we went back. And there's Nikki's book over there. And as it turned out, that recipe book, Giving such a great time for you. But that recipe book is one of my favorite recipe books. And when Nikki and I got together, I brought it with for her to sign in it. And when you get to the page of the scones, you cannot actually read the recipe anymore because I've made it so many times with my dirty fingers reading the recipe. So I think I'm looking for a new book, Nikki. But yeah, great recipe book. I mean, food is one of my loves, as money is. And, and I think, I thought maybe just to start off, I will do questions, so anybody who does have any questions, I'm really happy to answer them because we're all at different stages. You've come with a different thing you're hoping to get out of this morning. But I thought just to start off with, to tell you a little bit about me. I am a mother, I mean, I've got, I'm a wife, and I'm a mother of three children, 28, 21, and 16. The reason I got into finance was because of my family. Um, not because of my children right now, but it was from my past. I came from quite a dysfunctional family around money where my parents got divorced when I was 21 and they'd fought about money from the time I was born. Um, I'd heard so much, what could I say about I'd heard so much hurt being caused because of money and I'd seen so much pain caused because of money. And for me, it was so important that people could realize that they didn't have to have this. And I think that's why I made it such a journey. I went to university, studied psychology. Um, but then I was in my 30s, so mine was a, a, a mid-career change. In my 30s, I realized I had a hectic year. Um, my father was actually killed in a hijacking. My baby died. And I was hijacked, and I just thought to myself, I was 36 years old, and I thought, okay, you can fall apart right now, it's good, you can fall apart, you deserve it, or you can do what you've always wanted to do, and that was to be in finance. So I went back to university, and I restudied to come into finance, but with the idea always that I was going to improve people's relationships with money. I was going to become a financial planner. I hate financial planners. They'd always come into my life, they'd sold me something, and then they'd disappeared out of my life. But I thought if I could come into the industry and teach them that the client was the most important part, not the money, then that was going to work as well. So I became a financial planner in the, in the idea of changing financial planning, and also so that I, I could teach people that they actually had a relationship with money. Because you can get any investment, but if you're... If you don't know what to do with it, if you don't know how to understand what it is you're working with, you'll sabotage it in, in, in no time at all and it'll become something that you don't do. On top of that, um, my father, when he was killed um, in his hijacking, he never got to retire. And I'd spent my whole life hearing, Kim, when I retire, I'm going to do this. When I retire, I'm going to do that. And I thought, well, why don't I combine the two together, the money and the retirement? And that's why my first book, Retirement, came out seven years ago. And that really was for me saying to people, 
stop thinking about retiring in the old way. There's not a line in the sand that one day you're going to be Kim working and the next day you're going to be Kim retired. You're going to be exactly the same person. Do it differently. So that was my first book and, and how I managed to do the first book was from client stories. I have incredible clients that are so happy for me to share their stories. I always tease them. I say, because we share your story, you get a tick for give back. Because we're going out there and we're sharing these stories. So retirement is really around how do you redefine retirement? You know, I redefined it as a time in your life where you get to live your unfulfilled dreams and goals, but on your own terms and in your own time. It doesn't mean not working. And I think for all of you here, I see very different ages. The goal is not to get to a stage in your life where you don't have to work anymore. What the goal is, is to have enough money so that you can choose. You can choose if you go to work, you can choose if you stay in a marriage, you can choose if you stay in a career. But in order to do that, you have to have a plan. So most people I meet, when I say to them, do you have a plan? They actually like put their heads down and like want to run out of the room and not talk to me. I'm seeing some of those now. <laughs> like, why would we have a plan? I mean, please. Life's going to happen anyway, you know what I mean? Just, just go with the flow. So that's not me. I'm not a go with the flow. In the sense that I believe I'll go with flow in flow in my life, but my money, I, I've got to know that it's working for me. Because if at the end of the day, I've got this relationship with money, where it is my master, and I spend my entire life working for it, then I've got it in the wrong place. Think about a hamster wheel. And think about all of us in our lives. We've got this wheel, and we chase it. We start out our lives, and we start buying things. We start going through different transitions. And generally, what do we do? We go into debt, because we buy more than what we can afford. And then all of a sudden, we're in that hamster wheel and we can't quite come out of it. And I've had a, a thing that I've fully believed in, and this is something that I'm just, this would be my wish for, for anybody, that they paid themselves first. And very few people do I meet that pay themselves first. They'll tell me that their companies take their money from them and put it into a pension fund. And I say, well, isn't that a good thing? No, because I haven't got the money now. But it is a great thing, because later on when you need it, you go, oh, thank goodness I put it there. But what I'm talking about is you deciding that a percentage of your salary is going to be put away in an investment so that that one day can give you freedom to choose. So it's not just retirement that I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you have that money, what is money? Money is an enabler. Money enables what we want to do. And without it, it's a little bit like oxygen. There's not much we can do. So to get into the habit of saying, if I earn 100 Rand, 10 Rand is going into an investment, but it's not something I have to do, it's something I want to do, because that's my money, and that money is going to give me freedom of choice. So that's how, how, how simple it really is when, when we think about it. But it's not because of the emotions. We all got to understand when we talk about money, there's a whole lot of emotions attached to it. Where does this all happen? It happens in our childhoods. I mean, I sit with people working in their 70s, and they'll, I'll say something to them, and they'll tell me, absolutely not. And I'll say to them, why? 
do you know? One day this and this happened. So where I always start working with clients, and it's where I start in the book, our Midlife Money Makeover, and I'll come to that now, is what is your relationship with money and where did it start? And the question that I ask people is, what is your first money memory? Some people don't know what it is, but it's not the actual first, first one that happened to you. But what do you believe, what money memory has impacted you that you still make your decisions because of it? One that I hear often is, people that have got money are horrible people. I don't want to be one of those people with money because they're not very nice. Guess what? You're never going to have money. The other one I hear often is, is you have to work hard for money. You will not have money unless you work hard. So I'm going to work hard. And I meet people and they, they're older and they're working so hard and they're working so hard, but they still haven't got money. So it's not necessarily true, a whole lot of the beliefs that we pick up. But interestingly enough, it's important for you to understand where your relationship with money came from. And that belief, you need to look at it and say, is it true? Is it really the reality? Or is it just my belief? And if it's just a belief and it's not serving you, it's time to look at changing it. So the core to both books is your relationship with money. That's the basis of it. So with retirement, I was talking to people. As I said, I defined it with retirement. But then I was getting people coming to me all the time and saying, but what about us? We haven't retired yet. We're not nearly going to retire. We need something to help us. And that's why I decided to write a book for mid called Midlife Money Makeover. And in that book, what I've included, I mean, as Nikki says, actually you could read the book when you were 20 and it would apply to you. I've called it Midlife because it's a transition that I'm going through. And it's a transition that I could relate to because for me, what I wanted to tell people was, Stop thinking of retirement in the old way. Let's think of it differently. Let's first of all look at yourself, you, as your greatest asset. Most people when they come to see me, they think of their money as their greatest asset. And you are your greatest asset. So if you can start off with believing that you're important, understanding, getting to know yourself, then we can start the journey to have this money makeover. I've divided the book into like four processes. The first process, and I've made it very practical. You can actually pick up the book and you can do it. It's neither book is a book where I'm saying to you, read this book. You've got to read the book and do the work. It's not one of those books that's just miraculously going to give you all the money in the world because I'm not one of those people that are promising you millions at the end of the rainbow. But what I am promising you is if you follow the processes, you can have a much better relationship with money. So the four steps is, and the first step is to pause. So everybody here is just to think about yourselves, to pause and go, where am I? Do I have a good relationship with money? Is it working for me? Am I on track to having the life that I want to have? Or am I on track to living the life that somebody else has got planned for me? So that's the pause part. And when we pause, we need to then tune in. And when I talk about tuning in, it's knowing yourself. So in the book, both books, I tell you that doing a personality assessment is the first place to start. Not a personality assessment to understand your risk, but a personality assessment to understand who you are as a person. 
What's your perspective and how you've seen the world? When you've done that, you then know how to tackle this all. So understanding yourself becomes vital. And in the in-tune part, you need to then start looking at, at, at your relationship with money. And actually drawing up a balance sheet. I, I mean, I would, I'm not going to ask you to put hands up today because it's embarrassing. But not many people can even tell me what their assets are. Another thing, and I hate the word budget, because when you think budget, you think restriction. So I call it a spending plan. But when I ask people how many can tell me where their money goes, I said, no, no it's, I don't like to write it down, because if I write it down, <laughs> it's not going to look great. But I'm not asking you to write it down every month. But what I am asking you to write it down and to have a look and to analyze it. That's why I'm saying tune in analyze it and say what's working what's not working where am I throwing money away where's all my money going to interest instead of into investments on debt because if you can do that then the next part of the process is to edit so important is now to say this is what I've got and I need to edit this to get it to work but what most people do that I meet is they'd rather put their head in the sand not deal with it because if they don't deal with it they think it's going to go away. But it's like everything else, it compounds and it compounds and it compounds and gets worse. So then we're in the situation that we are in as South Africans, where people can't retire and people are destitute. So that's very important is you start editing and you edit out what's not working in your life and you, edit, and you bring in, you make space for what you want. Because if you don't edit out, you can't make space for what you want. And then the final part is to actually go out there and live. And in order to go out there and live, you have to have a plan. So that goes back to my first part. A plan is not just a plan for your money. A plan starts with a plan for your life. So another question that I ask people is what does your next chapter of your life look like if it turns out well? Because I find what people do is they don't know what it is they're trying to achieve. So importantly, if you know what it is you're trying to achieve at any age, and it doesn't have to be perfect because life happens and as you walk out of doing the plan, something's going to change, but at least you've got an idea, then you take what money you've got and you look at what I want, what have I got, and guess what? Generally, there's going to be a gap. For the lucky few, what they've got can give them what they want, but for a whole lot more, there's a gap. Now you have to say, okay, what can I do differently? And that's where it really is important to bring in some new habits. And for many people, habits are quite a hard thing. And I know for myself, I'm good with money. So I've always put money away. I've managed to connect my life and money. So I, I, I do, I love traveling. I've just come back from, I took my daughter to Paris for her 16th birthday. We just had this incredible time together. It was, was really, and the big, biggest thing is, was made all these memories. So I'm good at this. But what I wasn't good at is, I'm not so great at looking after my weight and my body and things like that. Look, I look really good at the moment. I'm being really good. <laughs> but I've always struggled with it. And, and, and the reason I bring this up, because I had to say, okay, so I'm saying be good with money, but that's natural for me. What do I struggle with? And it happened to, to be my weight. So. When I was putting the book together and writing it, I thought, okay, so now I'm going to look at what, 
why I'm struggling with this. And if I'm expecting people to improve their money, then they, I should be able to do this. And I read a book called Atomic Habits. It's actually here as well. You'll hear from the way I talk. I love reading. <laughs> and in Atomic Habits, he says you need little tiny changes in your life in order to get a big change. And I referred to it right the way through my book. It's the same with money. Don't leave here today and think, okay, well, I'm going to do everything she said. Because actually, by next week you'll go, that was way too much. I've given that up. It's when you leave here, if you implement one thing, that's what it's all about. You just implement one change. And once you've implemented one change and it's working, then you implement another change and you get it to work. And another change. And in that way, that's how you move forward and get better habits with money. But it still starts with working out what it is you want. Because if you don't know what it is you want, when you've got to go without something, you're not going to do it. So, so, so to get that kind of discipline, that's what you need. So for me it was, I get up and I run four times a week. Winter, summer, I live in Joburg. When I run at five o'clock in the morning, it's dark. But I hired someone to run with me. I've got a coach, because he helps me. And I, I say that the same for people with their money. Get yourself somebody that can help you, somebody that keeps you accountable. Because otherwise, it's also quite a lonely journey. You're trying to do it on your own. And then we have all these emotions that happen. And when our emotions happen, which money and emotions go together beautifully, then we self-destruct and we sabotage. So even if you've got a lot of money at the moment, people are panicking about the markets, absolutely panicking, deciding they need to go into cash, because cash is the best place. But that's not the best place, because when the markets improve, they're not going to be in the markets. Likewise, when, when you get divorced, when you go into retirement, these are huge emotional times. And generally, what do we do? I don't care about the money. We walk out without it. We leave jobs when we don't have anything else that we can go to. And then it sabotages all our plans we had before. And every time we come back to it, it's because of our emotions. And that's why it's always great to have a coach or, or a financial planner or, a, or somebody that keeps you accountable when you're going all, through all of those. So that's just normal. Just some little snippets also from the book that I wanted to share is I learn from other people. As I said, I love reading. So one of my, I call myself a Brené Brown groupie. I don't know if any of you know Brené Brown. So Brené Brown, um, I read, I've been reading her books probably for the last eight years. And every time I read them, and she talks about shame, and people feeling shame, and I know people don't want to feel shame, but what I loved in her book, she said, if you don't feel shame, then you're a narcissist. So that's cool, you can all feel shame. <laughs> now people all of a sudden want to say they feel shame. And there's a lot of shame around money. And, and if we've got enough, if we've got too little, how we've done with it, how we brought our children up with it. Um, so after reading all of her books, I applied to go to do her course called Dare to Lead, which was her latest book. And fortunately, I was one of the lucky few that got chosen, and I went to um, Texas, where she is, and I attended a five-day course with her, and I became a day-to-lead facilitator. So a lot of the work in Midlife Money Makeover is around this feeling of vulnerability, which we do feel when we're talking about retirement, when we're talking about midlife, when we're talking about money, we feel totally vulnerable. Um, but it's saying that if you're not prepared to feel it, 
you can't be courageous to get you to the next step. So I've combined a whole lot of that work. And then I was fortunate enough also to meet somebody called Chip Conley. And for any of you going through the midlife transition, his blog that he shares called The Wisdom Well is a phenomenal blog that you should, should subscribe to. It's called The Wisdom Well. And in his blog, he is in America, and he's opened up this academy called the Elder Academy. And you go there to learn how to do midlife and how to reinvent yourself, recalibrate, and, 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 and he shares such brilliant wisdom and, and it's people from all around the world that go there. So I went to Mexico to his Elder Academy and I spent this time learning and I include a whole lot of that in the book. So the book is a combination of my insights that I've learned. It's a combination of the clients and those are called a Midlife Reflections. And then it's a combination of these people I've learned from, like Brené Brown, Chip Conley, because those people have really had an impact in teaching me, and I'm trying to share it back. The book is also, that's why we've got a journal to go with it. It's a whole lot of exercises. Certainly not just this read, read, read. It's a whole lot of exercises that you do, and then you can feel the improvement as you're going along. And a lot of those reflections, there's a beautiful values exercise that I get you to do, because I'm also quite surprised at how few people know what their top values are. And your top values are your guiding light. And if you don't know where your guiding light is, you it's, a, it's a hard thing to make your decision about what your next chapter looks like. So in there, there's, a guiding, there's the guiding light exercise where you've come up with your top values. The other exercise that I, I think is very important and a valuable one is this, the timeline of our lives. So right now, I think we've all been knocked hell of a lot. So if we do a timeline of our lives, there's times where it goes smoothly, there's times when our lives are going well, and then we have times where things get hard. With COVID and what's been going on, uh, a lot of people have lost their jobs, a lot of people have got no hope of what's next. So when you draw your timeline and you see this period, what you know is it's so important, the work you put into it, so that the next part can come up. Because if you stay in this period and you don't put the work in, you won't have the chance of improving going forward in your future. But it does take, what I was saying earlier, the pausing, the tuning in, the editing, and then being able to go out there and live it. So, yeah, those are two exercises that I think would be important for all of you just to think about as you embark on potentially having a money makeover. And money makeovers are also for people who have a lot of money. Because I also get to meet people that have money. And you'd think when you don't have, that if you just got money, everything would be sorted out. But for many of them, it's fear of losing it. It's fear of not knowing if they can have or do anything. And, and, and it's just as real for them as for people that don't have it. So, Remembering it doesn't matter how much you've got, it's how much you value, how much you're grateful for, and the place that you put it in your life. And that becomes vitally important. Other really nice exercises that I'll share with you that you can do are the balance wheel. So for any of you, I've said to you, work out what it is you want your life to look like. And many people don't know what that is. Look at it, break it up into a balance wheel. If you, if you take a balance wheel, work is one aspect. 
give back is one, relationships is one area, money is just one, just one, then there's learning, there's health, there's purpose, there's play. If you can break it up into all of those eight areas, all of a sudden come up with ideas for each of them, and then all of a sudden it starts becoming clearer what it is you want in your life, otherwise it feels like you don't know what it is. I'm a great advocate of a vision board. So some people are creative, putting up a vision board. I've done that since I was 18. My family know my vision board is up every single year. They know what they install with me. <laughs> I don't always achieve it. I certainly don't always achieve it. But if it was important, it comes back on. Because without that, I also feel that we live everybody else's priorities. So life just happens, and then all of a sudden we go, do one thing this year that I plan to do. I just did what everybody else wanted me to do. So my vision board's there. I look at it. I don't cut myself up if I don't get to it. I mean, the books were a great example of that. Don't tell my publishers, but I'm not a great writer. <laughs> I had people help me write both these books. If it had just been that I had to write the books, you wouldn't be buying them. So I, I was fortunate enough to have a team of people that supported what I wanted to share. Because my whole reason for writing the books wasn't so that I could be called an author. It was so I could share the ideals. So what, I found people, and it's amazing how they appear, who helped me write the book. And then it, it, it was at a place where, where it could actually be published. So any, what I'm saying and the reason I'm sharing that is so that any of your dreams that you might have, remember there's another way around it. It's kind of like thinking out of the box. And even about your own lives, it's thinking out of the box of what you want. And then saying, I have to do money, otherwise money is going to do me. So understanding and working through your relationship with money, yes it takes work and it takes courage. But at the end of the day, you can come out of it in a, in, a, in a much better position. And then, so importantly, where people think that they can't get a financial planner, that financial planners are at another level, it's finding one that you resonate with. So you can go onto the FBI, which is the Financial Planning Institute website. They have a whole lot of different financial planners. And then go and interview one or two or three different financial planners until you find one that resonates with you. And then work with them because they resonate with you. They get you as a person. Not because they want to sell you a product. And then I think with all of those steps in place, you're so much better positioned to, to tackle what you have to tackle. Because at the end of the day, we get one life. And, and, and to have regrets that we didn't get to live the life we wanted, for me, it, it is, a, is a hard thing as well as being a good role model for your families. I think many of you might have children, you might have partners, and, and I think it's great when you can actually have money conversations with each other, not when you're fighting, but when you're in a good place and say, this is what we're gonna do together. Because guess what, when you're in a, a relationship, you both come with different um, history, different beliefs, and maybe you even want something different for your life. But the whole important part is just that you can have these kind of conversations. I think I'm going to end there. I'm not sure how long I've even spoken for because I can talk and talk and talk. I want you to carry on talking and I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, before I open to the floor, just, um, there's so much sort of coursing through my brain about what you've been saying. And as you know, I'm a fan of the book and I've read it and we've met before, but 
so much of what you said this morning struck really struck a chord, but I think the standout one was confronting what you fear and the importance of doing that and, and unraveling why it makes you feel fearful um, and then finding a way out of that fear and nothing um, does it makes people more fearful I think than money or their financial situation um, because it's of its association and, and that can range from trauma and violence through to um, restriction and uh, a sense of having nothing. Um, and for all its brutality and trauma, one thing that I think COVID um, helped some people do was confront what they had been avoiding. Because you weren't able to, you weren't able to avoid it anymore. You were stuck. You were locked in, in lockdown, and you had to confront the things that weren't perfect or the fault lines in your life. And it was an opportunity to change your relationship to the things that were hold, holding you captive. And I just, just if you could talk a little bit more about that courage that you spoke of, of having the courage to face your fears and then using that as a way out. So Nikki did give me the hardest question that there is. But I think it, it, it really goes, and, and COVID was the opportunity. So when we were in it, we, were in the, we had this opportunity to do this work. But for many people, they chose not to do the hard work. But for those of you that did choose to do the hard work, facing your fear is first of all admitting to it. I mean, it, it, it is... For, for, we have this radio station, all of us, even all of you sitting here right now, your radio, some of you are making shopping lists, what you've got to go do, some of you are resonating what I'm saying, some of you are saying, so you've got a radio station, going all day, and that's what we all have as a radio station all day. But part of that whole pausing part is getting out of this head and coming down. So the part that, that I think Nikki's talking about is actually admitting it, writing it down, because when you write it down, it's not as scary as when you leave it in your head. Because if you leave it in your head, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it overwhelms you. And that's why we've got the anxiety problem we've got. I mean, we have epidemic. I think there's a pandemic of anxiety at the moment between our youth, any kind of age group, because it's just all too overwhelming. So it's actually whole, it's a whole part of that pause part, taking it out, out admitting it, writing it down, Sharing it. Like as I said to you, we all have shame. So if you have a fear, share it with your best friend. Share it with somebody because now that fear is not nearly as big. Now you can deal with it. But when you leave it in your head and you're leaving it to overwhelm you and overwhelm you, you can't deal with it. Then it, it's way too massive. So, so just getting it out, writing it down, sharing it. Now you can put in the action plan. Now we can put in those small steps of making one improvement and another improvement and another improvement to get it better, as opposed to staying on your own and thinking, I'm the only person this is happening to. I'm the only person that fears money this much. Because let me just tell you, it's going to eat you up there. Um, this is called Midlife Money Makeover, but I think it should be called Life Makeover, because there's so many life lessons that apply 
to all our risks and all our opportunities and um, that we all share. So, yeah, I think it's, it's extraordinary in its application, in, in its potential application. Um, want to see if there are any questions. Just let me share that when you, when you ask a question, it helps everybody else. So again, like I said to you, we all believe that we're the only person going through a whole lot of stuff. I run a lot of workshops, and when I run the workshops, I always say to people, you're going to learn from me, but you're going to get so bored of my voice. The most learning that's going to happen is when somebody asks a question, and then you go, oh my gosh, my colleague is experiencing exactly what I'm experiencing. Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Because, so, so I mean, I don't, I don't want to force you to ask a question, but if you did want to ask a question, just know that most people are thinking the same thing as you, and, and, and they're going to learn from that kind of question. Otherwise, I know Nikki will come up with even harder questions than the <laughs> one. Just a quick one on the, on, um, is the journal Mentors a sort of companion to um, your main book? I did do it as a companion. So in the actual Midlife Money Makeover, every um, question is, I mean, every reflection's in it. If you go onto my website, you can also download all those reflections at no charge. Because for me, what I didn't want is I didn't want people buying the book and then not doing the reflections. Because the whole point of the book is to do the reflections. And some people can't write in their books. I mean, I've met a few people that have come to me with post-its right the way through the book and all written, and that's great, because that's what it's meant for. But if, if you're one of those people that can't, you can go onto my website, down, download all the reflections and do it. But then for those that really like things organized and beautifully put together, then they can buy the, the, the journal where they can actually do the exercises. And so I gave you all the opportunities, because my, my biggest thing was that I didn't want people not doing the reflections. I think you just touched on something that has become very apparent to me um, and it took me a while to realize but with, in these big life events whether it's birth or death or facing uh, disease or fear or pandemics or um, retirement, divorce, any of, the, any of the biggies, there's great comfort to be found in that humans for eternity have faced the same issues and somebody and in fact a tranche of people have found solutions that will resonate with you and I think that's why it's such good advice that people can find help and can find a financial planner that resonates with them and 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 that your book is just basically saying hey I know where you are I know how you feel Yes, I'm, I'm offering you some way out of this. I think the big thing that you mentioned there is it's nice to know you're not alone. So in any life transition you are, if you know you're not alone, you feel supported. You're the only one who can do the work though. The only one, whether you've got the best financial planner in the whole world or, or, or whatever. You have to do the work. But, but what, what I do and the way I've written the book is very much in a way that if you just did even 10% of the book, you'd be way better than where you started. And, I, and my belief is that if you do that, then you've got the actual, you find your inner strength to do the next step and the next step. But also, I mean, I know it's quite hard for me to draw, 
in life when we've got to do change. Most of us don't like change at all. We doesn't matter where, who we are, which personality type, we don't like change. So we'll pretend we don't need to make the change. And then, unfortunately, we'll either be have no money, we'll be depressed, life will be a disappointment to us, or our health, health will fail us. And um, I, I always encourage is that you, you don't, as I said earlier, don't have to worry about doing it all. But if you get to that point where you've actually gone down, it's double work to come back up. So it's so much better to earlier start a parallel life, to start parallel making those small changes. Because if we do that, we don't get to that, that, that point. And those small changes that we're making, we can make parallel to our life that we're leading right now. Uh, people come and they'll say to me, you know, COVID's been huge. We're moving, especially because I live in Joburg. We're no longer living in Joburg. They've done a whole lot of introspection work during COVID. They're not going to live in Joburg. They're giving up their jobs, they're moving areas, they're going, and they're going to go and do something completely different. And that's all great if you know what it is you're going to. But that can also be totally overwhelming. Same as retirement. People come and they haven't thought about what it is this next chapter looks like. And that's why it becomes so important to break it up with a real balance. Just being kind to yourself. Looking at each and every aspect. Because we are going to live hopefully all of us, till we're 100. There's this whole incredible chapter of our lives, and I don't believe that people are going to stop working anymore. What I do believe is going to happen is we're going to start working in meaningful work that we want to be doing for much longer. I also believe that we might not all work, for those of you at corporates, I'm sorry, but we might not all work for only one person. We might have multiple incomes coming through. So you can get smaller incomes from a whole lot of different people. And in that way, when you stop getting the income, you can replace it with another one. These are just other ways to be looking at it. So think out of the box when you're thinking about what you're planning for this next chapter. I can attest to um, a feeling that I wasn't alone because after my finances were in shambles, I went through a couple of life events over a period of 10 years with family and my, my finances were in, in absolute shambles <laughs> and I read Kim's book, I thought, oh, it's all fine. <laughs>